0: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you in an unnecessarily enthusiastic tone, considering the fact that the Raptors lost once again to the Phoenix Suns uh, by a score of 104 to 100. This game, I mean, reminded me of the first time the Raptors played the Suns this season. Where, um, You know, Raptors were real desperate for wins, they had lost a whole bunch, they got on the road, Pascal played well, started well, faded, and the Raptors uh, couldn't handle the Suns in the end, even though the Raptors defensively tonight uh, held the Suns to 104 points, not easy to do, the Suns have been rolling offensively, and it's not hard to see why, their execution is very good, Chris Paul looks very sharp, and even on an off night for Devin Booker, they can still get other guys to score. Especially with Aiton being in the center and the Raptors having no centers whatsoever. But, uh Raptors couldn't get it done. And this is despite the fact that the Raptors... So, the Suns had 98 points at the 6-minute mark of the 4th quarter. They finished with 104, which means they only scored 6 more points the rest of the way. Two of those were on Chris Paul, sweeping his arms through after drawing another cheap foul like 2 seconds before that. Okay, great. You know... I guess, I mean, listen, if Kyle did it, we'd be all applauding him, so I can't really be a hypocrite here. But that's that, and then two more free throws, intentional to stop the clock against Devin Booker. It wasted a ton of time, and the Suns were able to get it into the backcourt with uh, eight seconds left, and the Raptors fouled him and had two seconds left, so that's that's never good. Could have maybe executed a little bit better. Although the Suns are very smart to throw it into the backcourt, but you probably should also anticipate that. Uh, in any case... Um, you know, those were four of the points. And the other point was like, you know, DeAndre Aiden had a contested layup. But over the final six minutes, Raptors were really good defensively locked in. And I didn't think the Raptors were that good defensively earlier in the game. I felt like the Suns were missing some threes, which, you know, some of the guys you kind of expect to miss threes. Like, yeah, um, you know, Crowder obviously taking nine threes. You don't mind that. He's a guy who's active in shooting but not active in uh, making most of the time except for when the Heat went to the the, the finals last year. Uh, Tory Craig is another guy who was left open a lot. He's not really a three point shooter, um, even though that's what his role is offensively. That speaks more to like the fact that he's a defender for the most part and not really a guy who's uh, gonna score that much for you. But they, he's a nice pickup though from uh, from the Bucks. I don't know why the Bucks couldn't use him that much. Uh, Dario Saric also you know missed some threes, but. You know, the Raptors just... I didn't feel like they had a great time guarding tonight. I think the pick and roll was giving them some real issues. And listen, the pick and roll is going to give you some issues when you got Chris Paul running it with DeAndre Ayton. And Ayton has, you know, he has hurt the Raptors this season um, and tonight, especially 9-12 from the field. Pretty much the the Suns would run pick and roll. Chris Paul get into the lane, he kind of slither around, and then eventually when he finally baited the help to sort of come to like a half step towards him, he would just throw the ball into midair, Aiden would catch it around the basket and then just like finish because no one is around to really help and uh, deter him. And this is the issue the Raptors have had all season is they don't have a center. That's it. They just don't have a center. They have guys who play center. Um, OG plays center, and he was probably the guy who played center, well, not probably, he was the guy who played center the best tonight, but we all know OG's not a center, uh, Pascal can sometimes play center, but we know he's not a center, uh, and then when they bring in Chris Boucher or Aaron Baines, I mean, it's, it's really, really like, well, it's not like that necessarily, um, You know, what does this remind me of? So, when Nick Nurse goes to the bench and he has to put a center in the game to replace OG. Because OG can't play, like, you know, 48 minutes. He can only play 38 minutes. And he played 38 very effective minutes tonight. But when you have to go to the bench for one of those two guys now, for Nick, it really is like... Like, I remember when I was in middle school and I would just, like, go to the cafeteria and try to, like, hustle people for money. And and maybe get, like, 60 cents. And then go to the calf and... The options were trash. Like, literally, it was, like, I could maybe, the best case scenario is you can get, like, one of those, like, little tiny square pizza pizza squares or, like, maybe it's patty day. And in those cases, of course, that's great. Sometimes Chris Boucher is patty day at school and you're you're, you're fantastic. Like, of course, a beef patty is, like, the best lunch you could possibly have in middle school in Toronto. Um, And, but most times it's, like, you're going there and you're getting, like, a chili or something like that. And, and, like, you know, Aaron Baines is, like, a chili. Like, really, are you really trying to eat chili as a 12-year-old? Um anyway, it, it's uh it's a weird analogy and you know I'm trying to be weirder on the show this year because uh the Raptors uh are kinda out of character they lose a lot of games. So I'm trying to spice it up a little bit. But in any case, yeah, my point is neither option is fantastic, and we saw both players showcase why they don't consistently get minutes um for a nurse. I think Chris Boucher in his first shift really struggled to rebound. The Suns were really active off their bench. The guys were kind of moving around getting some uh you know I thought Sarich was, uh, you know, he's a guy who can be physical around the basket. Um, and I guess, you know, Nick didn't really like that matchup. So then Aaron Baines came in. And honestly, I thought the first two minutes Aaron Baines, I'm like, oh, oh okay. you pleasantly surprised, you know, like just setting some screens, you know, okay. All right. And then all of a sudden the, the Suns were like, wait Aaron, wait, Aaron Baines is in? Okay, let's put Chris Paul into the game. Maybe let's put in Devin Booker later. And then let's just go pick and roll at Aaron Baines every single time. And I'm not even kidding you, man, the way Chris Paul's eyes, his brown eyes lit up every single time he saw Aaron Baines on the floor, he would he would pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, get the switch. Then are not even running offense, they're literally just running, yo, let's embarrass this guy, and then Chris Paul, like this one play where Chris Paul tried to get, go up Baines, slipped, I was like, oh wow, okay. Uh, and then, but for some reason, Baines was still on Chris Paul. Even after he slipped, it could have maybe been a bit of a scramble to get a guard on him. But no, Baines was still on him. Chris Paul says, brings it back out, literally gets to the three-point line. Baines takes one step towards him, and Chris Paul, l- like, lurches around him and gets right to the basket for an uncontested layup. That happened multiple times. So that was tough because clearly he can't guard the pick and roll. Uh, and so the Raptors were, you know... You know, and they still stuck with it because they needed to get some minutes for OG and, and Pascal to rest, but that was not great. Um, and then the second half, because Baines was struggling so much, they kind of went to Boucher. Although, briefly, they had one possession when they had Boucher and Baines both on the floor, Boucher kind of playing four, Baines playing five. And, I mean, I screencapped it, man, but there was a play where both Boucher and Baines, the two centers on the floor once, were both above the three-point arc, In like a weird, soft double team against Cameron Payne. Or not Cameron Payne. Cameron Johnson, who's not really a slasher. He can attack a uh, a closeout, but that's about it. Um, Both guys went to him. Saric slipped to the basket and and you know the, the the bounce pass went to Sarge and Saric finished even though OG got there I mean it was just he got there late cuz he's guarding the corner shooter like one of your centers should be at the basket and somehow you have two centers both guys are above the 3 point line it's dumb shit like that, that the raptors lose all the time and it's really be, you know these two guys have really not given the raptors what they needed defensively um after that possession, which by the way was a communication breakdown, it wasn't like Nick was like, "All right, we're this is what we're gonna do." All right, we're gonna we're gonna build an effing wall, like Stan Van Gundy said at the three point line. No, um, that was obviously a defensive breakdown, a, a, a m- just miscommunication or maybe even lack of communication on the switch. Uh, Boucher was in the right position. Baines was not because Boucher's man was 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 Cam Johnson, and, and Baines obviously was guarding Sarge at five. Uh, for some reason, Baines decided to just leave Sarge alone and, and trap. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, but. Uh, Nick, at that point, went to Chris Boucher to kind of the rest of the way in the fourth quarter, and Boucher had a really good run there. I think that's when the Raptors really got clicking defensively. Uh, Boucher got a couple of layups to follow as well. Um, you know, one off a dump off pass from OG, who was really good, drove hard baseline, uh, had was patient. I like that OG's really patient when he drives and he's really patient when he posts. He always allows time for cutters to sort of emerge, and we've seen a few plays that come to mind. There's one where he found, I believe, uh, um, DeAndre Bembry in, in the Bucks game. I know this is like months ago now, but like OG posted, waited for Bembry to cut, Bembry cut, and then Bembry dunked, and then had that really nice picture of him uh, t- taken by the Raptors team photographer, where um, you know Bembry was uh, holding onto the rim with one hand, staring at the Bucks. It was it was great. Remember when the Raptors were beating the Bucks? That was like literally the championship this year. Um, in any case. The Raptors figured out the center rotation kind of thing. And then eventually they went to the small ball group, the original small ball five. And they, they did much better there. I thought there was a lot more switching that went on there. There were possessions where it was a real, like, good cat and mouse game between the two sides. Which, you, I mean, A, you could probably expect with Kyle Lowry on one side, Chris Paul on the other side. Two of the, uh, you know, foremost, uh, you know, floor generals on uh, in, in the NBA. Obviously there was a lot of dueling strategy there between the two guards. Obviously, with uh, Nick as well, and also uh, Monty Williams, who's done such a good job coaching that team, has a real shot at Coach of the Year, and I'm so happy for him. If you if you know Monty's story, but um, there's going to be some matchups and things like that. And what the Raptors kind of did was, you know, they they went a little bit funkier with their um, uh, lineups. They would sometimes put OG on the ball against Chris Paul, anticipate the pick and roll was coming. And then when the pick and roll came with Aiden, that allowed the rappers to switch it so OG could go on Aiden, which is the matchup they originally wanted. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on to sort of get the right kind of moves in place. And honestly, the switching with OG is, is really nice because listen, when OG's playing center and he's guarding Aiden tonight and they, the, the Suns call for pick and roll, which a lot of end game possessions, uh, especially with teams with elite guards like Paul and Booker, They're going to call for a pick and roll from the center. And if you have OG switching onto the ball, that's going to look really good. I mean, there was one possession where Booker called for Aiton to come. Uh, OG switched on to Booker. Booker tried to sort of use a couple of moves, maybe shake him, find a way to the basket. There's no such thing. And then Booker had to settle for a contested pull-up from OG fading away. That missed. And then even at the end of the game which the Raptors actually got the stop, but didn't get the rebound. But, you know, again, this the whole season. The Raptors do something nice, and then they they, they, they screw it up. But, um, you know, OG is switched on to Booker again. Booker again tries to sort of drive, doesn't get it, pull out, doesn't really get it. And then fading jumper, OG's all over him. It's a weird brick that kind of hits the far side of the rim and bounces towards the corner, even though, um, and which was really the most unfortunate place for it to go because Kyle was sort of pinching off his man in the corner, uh, I believe Mikhail Bridges, his fellow Villanova uh, alum, and uh, digging down to uh, box out against Aiton, who was also getting boxed out by Siakam, uh, obviously giving him a little bit of extra help there. Um, for from Kyle was was the right thing to do. I mean, you can't expect Pascal to always single handedly box out Aiton, but in doing so, in pinching down to help, uh, the ball rolled past Kyle where he would normally, I guess, be in the corner. And uh, Bridges was able to collect the ball. The, the Suns were able to call timeout after a little bit of a scramble. And uh, that's it. That's the game. So, it's it was a bit of an annoying finish for sure. Especially because the Raptors did make this push to kind of get them in the end. But uh, it didn't happen. And honestly, I'm weirdly okay and at peace with it. Mostly because, like, I don't know what full direction the Raptors are going in. I mean, if they want to tank, well, you know, this is good for the tank. And if they want to... You compete well. This is not great, obviously. Uh, you know, of, of course, you would like the Raptors to win games if, if their goal is competing, and, and they'll say they're competing, but they're nine games under 500 with 27 more games to go, so that's that's not easy. Um, like you got to go 18 and 9 just to get back to 500, which is uh, not easy in any case. Um Yeah, I'm kind of numb to it, to be honest. Like, I think they're obviously closer to the tank than they are to the thing. And if you can be a competitive tank uh, and obviously fix the roster, which is clearly they got to get a center. Clearly they got to get a center. My goodness, they need to get a center. Um, Then, yeah, the result's fine. You know, again, I I think I'm more shifting towards my sort of, uh, you know, view of the team towards development. And the guys I want to see develop are OG, Pascal, Fred... Gary Trent Jr., who just got his de- NBA, or his Raptors debut today, uh, and Malachi Flynn. Um, maybe Boucher, although, to be honest, Boucher has developed, but also he's also, like, just continues to make the same mistakes, and it gets frustrating, and unless he, he stops making those mistakes, uh, he's going to be stuck on the bench, and that's that. Um, in any case, some of those guys that you're looking to develop, Oh, uh, let's start with Pascal. I thought Pascal started out really well. Um, he had 17 points in the first... Half, I think he had what ten points in the first quarter. Uh He came out really strong. He was missing on his threes, and he missed all six of his threes tonight. Although one of those was a late shot um, at the end of the game. Whatever, shocking. Uh Pascal Siakam rimmed out at the end of the game. Uh, it was it wouldn't have mattered. The Raptors were down four, but uh, still Pascal had to get one more brick in. Um Yeah, zero for six from three. But he was really good in terms of attacking the the, the, the Suns in the paint. I think at first the Suns were. Um, trying to use some of their wings to guard Pascal, and that never works for the Suns. Uh, I've seen Pascal cook the Suns multiple times, including earlier this season when the Raptors played the Suns. That was Pascal's first breakout game of the year. Um, it's weird to say breakout game about a max player. But in any case, that was his first big game of the season where he had like 15 or 14 free throws. Uh, he, he had close to a triple-double. Kind of similar game to what he had tonight, which is 26 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists the wings are too small, and Pascal's able to shoot over those guys, and I like when he's able to, you know, hit some of these, like, push shots and stuff like that, because some of these guys, when they're smaller, they'll try to get physical with you, like Crowder will try to get physical with Siakam, knowing that he can't jump to meet Siakam at the top to contest a shot that way, uh, and definitely not blocking a shot, same thing with Booker, same thing with Paul, uh, you know, even Bridges, but Pascal can use his length to shoot over the top of those guys, and when Pascal's rolling, he has that touch, when around the basket, and I'm just saying around the basket, I mean like 10 feet out, within a 10-foot radius when he's posting up, and he just throws up these little flip shots, that's what Pascal did so well in 2018-19 when he won Most Improved, that's what he did so well last season as well, obviously before the bubble, and then we saw it, you know, at, we have seen it for honestly stretches of this season, I think Pascal got a really bad rap this year, he's, if you look at the overall numbers, man, he's like 28 and like 5 assists, like, that's not bad at all. In any case, uh, I thought Pascal was his starter really strong. I didn't like that Pascal didn't get the ball nearly as much in the second half. And I don't know why specifically that was the case. I need to go back and look. Maybe the Suns crowded him a little bit more. Maybe the Suns, um, you know, switched up the matchup. I did see Ayton guarding him a few times. But I didn't like the fact that Pascal in the third quarter, he played the whole third quarter and only got two shots up. He, get to, he got to the free throw line twice and... and you know, shot three or four from there, and he got three assists, so maybe they were crowding him a little bit more, but I didn't like that he wasn't really triggering the offense as much. And it felt like in the third quarter, for some reason, they started going to Kyle Lowry most of the time. Like, I thought, like, I was like, every other possession was Kyle Lowry pulling up for a jumper, which, of course, I mean, it's Kyle Lowry, but at the same time, he he it wasn't like Kyle was the guy who was torching tonight. He was 4 of 12 from, uh, on, from the field, made some threes, 3 of 5, but, you know, generally speaking, you know, a lot of the other stuff wasn't going for him. I don't know why they went away from Pascal. I thought, you know, you would like to see that continue for P. And especially for a guy like Pascal, we've seen these this, this pattern. This is not just this season, but we've seen, like, Pascal get off to incredible starts and then, like, fade away as sort of the quarters go. And and I don't like that pattern. I really would like to emphasize them as much as possible. Obviously, on nights when it's really not going for him, then it's not going. But, I mean, second half, he made two field goals in the second half. But the first half, he was really solid. I liked his energy there. Um, I think his, yeah, it was, you know, got to the free throw line 11 times. Uh, Not bad, not bad. And, and again, it's really just uh, sustaining that effort throughout the course of the game. I thought OG had a really nice night. Obviously a difficult assignment once again, guarding Aiden. The other night he's guarding Jokic. I mean, I can't believe these teams just have centers like that, okay? I mean, I understand the Suns got the first overall pick and took Aiden even over a guy like you know, Trey Young or Luka Doncic or all these other guys that were picked in that great draft. But like still, Aiden's seven feet tall with good hands and he can dunk and play some defense, like rebound. Like you know you know what Aiden would do for the Raptors? If Aiden was on the Raptors, the Raptors would be better than the Suns. And that's not to say that like I don't you know, I think the Suns have a lot of things going for them. But like you know, that that's that's how much the Raptors have like good pieces at other spots, but that one singular weakness that's gonna corrupt them. You know what I mean? Like um yeah it's just what are you really gonna do right like um I don't know like yeah it's 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 annoying watching this team with their center position it really is and yes you could get like a you know buyout center I mean um Michael Grange mentioned Kelly Olenek is the target um you know it doesn't remains to be seen if Houston will buy him out or if he's interested in a buyout but because uh, you do lose your bird rights, although I don't know if Houston's going to re-sign him. In any case, don't know who's going to get fully uh, waived. Obviously, Gord Geek Jang got waived today, and people, are, myself included, are looking forward to maybe the Raptors going for him. These guys aren't really going to make that big of a difference. you know. Um, I, I really don't believe it. Uh, the, the Raptors just need a solid starting level 5, and none of those guys are starting level 5s. But in any case, um, yeah, I mean, you know, OG had to guard. Aiden had to guard. Uh Jokic the other night, and this is a different matchup than Jokic, I think this is a little bit tougher in the sense that, you know, when teams see OG guarding their centers, right, they're gonna look at it as a bit of a mismatch, because it is a bit of a mismatch, he's just smaller than these guys, uh... So, generally speaking, you know, I saw the the way the Nuggets wanted to attack it was sort of they were getting Jamal coming off these triple handoffs, involving Jokic heading downhill, and then forcing OG into a decision, am I going to go and help and contain the drive, or am I going to stick with Jokic, and, you know, that's, that's one way. But what the Suns did was even cleverer, which was to do the same thing, involve him in the pick and roll, you know, two-man actions with Paul and Bridges in the floor space. And force OG into a decision. But the toughest part about that is guys like Chris Paul, instead of a guy like Jamal, who would, like, drive and mostly look to find a shot or at least try to create an opening or something, Chris Paul just, like, gets in the lane, dribbles around, pulls it back out, dribbles around some more. Just, like, obviously, he's such a threat in the mid-range. You can't let him pull from there. He's so good in the mid-range. And then once you take a half-step towards him, he just throws a little short float lob. Uh, and 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 Aiton's catching it, and, and that's where OG can is going to struggle to um, affect the play. I think when OG can use his strength, when he can guard in the post, when he can put his hands up. Honestly, even his positional defense is good. Like it, it's it's really going to be fine against most teams, but against a guy like Bridgeson, and against a really clever pick and roll operator like Paul, that's going to be struggle. That's going to come as a real struggle. I think the key there is for the Raptors to contain that penetration at the top of the floor. Don't even let guards go downhill. And the ways you can do that is you can trap the ball, which not advisable against the Suns. You trap the ball, they have too many good shooters. They also move the ball really well as a team. Really admire the way the Suns move the ball. I mean, I think last time the Raptors played the Suns, the Suns had like 35 or 6 or something. They, they, they move the ball really well. Guys make quick decisions, snap, 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 bang, 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 and, you know, they, they, they play well. That's why their bench plays well too, actually. The bench doesn't have that much, like, quote-unquote, clear-out talent, but all those guys work together so well in tandem. Everyone knows each other's reads. It works, whereas the Raptors come in, I don't know. These guys are all placeholders until the starters come back in. It's a very, very different... It's very stark in a, a difference in approach. And I'm, and I'm not surprised that the Suns largely outplay the Raptors in terms of their bench production. I mean, I'm not surprised that any night, the team outplays Raptors in bench production. But uh, to the point you know, up continuing that, like, you really need to find a way to keep these guards from going downhill in the first place so that OG's not even put in a tough spot, and one of the ways you can do that is by switching, and, and I think the Raptors kind of settled on that switching. Again, like, switching is not something that the Raptors love to do all that much, like, they'll switch off ball and stuff like that, and then they'll switch back, and they have good communicators, especially with the starting group, but, you know, I think that switching is really going to be key here just to um, give OG a little bit of help, and again, the other big part is just, like, get the rebound for him, man, because the Raptors, you know, they lose the game on a defensive rebound that they couldn't get. You know, they had stretches where they couldn't get the defensive rebound. It's annoying to watch, but you know, I thought OG was solid, though. Really, really solid defensively for what he actually could actually impact. Obviously, he was better when he was switching and guarding perimeter players. But, you know, now that you have Gary Trent, I think you have more perimeter defense against a guy like Booker and so you can sort of spare OG playing center and honestly like offensively you look at the line; it doesn't look that impressive 15 points on 5 out 12 shooting but I really like the way OG approached this game today really confident I think losing Norm is going to create shots for other people to take Trent's going to take the bulk of those obviously because he plays the same position and he's gonna he's also shooting guard and you know he's going to be able to uh to, to get to his his offense especially when he gets comfortable um But I think some of those will fall for OG as well. And I like that, you know, with the rotation tonight, what you saw was the starting five, obviously. And then OG will come out with the center coming out. Kyle will come out with a backup guard, Malachi Flynn coming out. Pascal and Fred usually play the first full quarter and then the full third quarter. And then when the second quarter comes in or the start of the fourth quarter comes in, they'll uh, look to these transitional lineups. And that's where you do need some starters to provide some structure around the rest of the guys. And you have Kyle running the group, and then you have OG as as the four. And a lot of the times, because of the guys who are out there, OG is a guy who's the Raptors are going to look to feature a little bit. Not necessarily, like, give him the ball every single time down, like he's, like, James Harden or something, but uh, get him to the post, you know, allow him to attack from there. And I like when he gets into the post, especially because he can really use his strength to, like, bury somebody down there, uh, put the ball near, you know, uh, in the basket, draw fouls down there. He did a really good job with that, OG did tonight. Uh, and, you know, even when he drives baseline, he's a decent interior passer. He's had that since he was a rookie. I remember many plays as a rookie where he would just obviously beast a guy in the corner. Very, very low usage but in the corner, hitting some corner threes. But then he would cut baseline, help would come. And OG would usually find some pretty nice dump-off passes, dish it out to like Serge or JV and Pascal. And it's like, bruh what I would do for Serger, or JV and Pascal or, or, or I, mean, I guess we have Pascal still but still Serger, or JV at this point but OG played well and I, and I liked what, the way OG played Fred had some big threes you know had some nice moves I, you know there's nothing really much to complain about Fred's game you could say some ill-advised shots there's one late pull up transition three, which I'm like, "Mm," you know, Raptors have been working so hard defensively, of course they want to sort of get that shot to put them ahead and get psychologically that edge of like, all right, we've completed the comeback, let's maintain it, and it felt like the Raptors were really trying to get that final shot to kind of go in, to take the lead. Fred missed one of those rush threes, Trent had a rush three that was really, really off, Um, and yeah, it just didn't fully go for, for the team, and so, you know, um, that was the game in terms of the new guys. So Gary Trent Jr. got the start, played 31 minutes, which was the fewest at the starting five. I wasn't surprised that he started. I think he is a starting level player on this team, and uh, he's especially. I mean, especially with the Raptors wanting to continue to play small, you kind of need a guy like Gary because now you have another layer of the perimeter defense that you can throw against a guy like Booker. Like I thought Trent's best play tonight was the ball got swung to Booker, and Trent just got really up in his space. And just, like, made him uncomfortable and made him surrender the ball. And I like that ability to just, like, hawk uh, and make people really, really uncomfortable uh, with the dribble, with the handle. Um, just take away their space. So that's something Kyle does really well. That's something Fred does really well. Um, and Trent, being a bit smaller, especially at at, at the a small forward position, he's only, like, 6'6", six, six with a 6'8 wingspan. That's a little undersized for small forward. He's more of a shooting guard but when he's got, when when you are smaller you need to deny that space and sort of take away and neutralize that length and use your quickness. I like the way Trent defended today. I didn't really see many like defensive breakdowns at all, which for a guy who had, he just came in with like no um like they probably did a walk like walk, walk through this morning at the arena, but aside from that, I mean that's it. Like he literally got to the Raptors like to Tampa like last night. Um so yeah, the fact that he even played was solid. He got to the mid range uh, three, at least three times, maybe all four times for all four of his baskets. But he got to the mid range. His first, uh, his first basket as a Raptor came off a pin down uh, on the left side, curled. Kyle Lyra hit him with the pass, and Trent read the defense with sag back and pulled up for the mid range jumper. Was smooth. The mid range looked really smooth. They had a post up mid range jumper as well, so it wasn't all just like rip, you know, rip Hamilton kind of stuff, but. Um, You know, obviously the big part of his game offensively is a three-point shot. Gary has shot uh, the three really well for two seasons now, I believe, with the Blazers. Uh, This year he is um, at over seven attempts per game, at 40% from three. Last season was at 42% with 4.4 three-point attempts. I will say that the three-point attempts he's going to get here are going to be slightly different than the ones he got in in, um, Portland. Only in the sense that there was a lot of, like... Dame Lillard getting trapped at the top of the floor, four on three situation, guys attacking, ball swings and gets to the corner and Trent shooting it. And I'm not saying that he was only getting like the, the easiest threes and uh, you know he's it's like a fake three point shooter. No, you're not getting seven and a half wide open corner threes a game. No one gets that. Maybe like Joe Harris gets that now with James Harden and all these other guys, but it, the Raptors don't have that singular force in terms of that pick and roll uh, operator that's always going to create so many. Opportunities because they're driving, drawing double teams. You have Fred who usually can get into the paint and kick it out. There are some threes there from that. You get Pascal who's in the post, you'll kick it out. Kyle will obviously, you know, create transition threes and also some half court threes as well. Um, but You know, I I think there will be a bit of an adjustment just because there's not that one ball dominant guy. And when that happens, though, that there is a more team oriented offense for Trent to kind of get into. And I think there are opportunities for him to sort of be a secondary playmaker, get the ball swung to him, get a quick screen attack and see what you can get. Uh, It seems like today the Suns were really intent, especially with our second unit. To sort of drop back, and so Trent mostly got mid range pull ups, and you know, that is also a part of his game, so that's fine. I would prefer to see him get to the basket sometimes, too. But again, listen, this guy literally just got here, so I'm not really gonna criticize or make any sort of sweeping generalizations about him. Like, I, you know, I I don't know them (laughs) just yet. Uh, I had a great pregame interview, all that stuff, so I think you'll be a fan favorite. Uh, And then Rodney Hood, 18 minutes, didn't really see too much of an impact. I mean, he had a post jumper over Chris Paul, which was nice. It felt like, like, honestly, at least four players had jumpers over Chris Paul today. But in any case, yeah, Rodney Hood um, didn't get involved in the offense too much. Had an open three, but he missed it. bit rushed anyway. Um, Yeah, you know, obviously without knowing the offense, without knowing these guys playing for the first time, obviously being a newcomer as well, and arguably being a throw-in in in the trade just to make the salaries match, you're not necessarily going to come in and take all the shots. Having said that, though, I would like to see Rodney get more touches in terms of just, I know he can score. There's a history of him scoring. He's not like an elite scorer by any means, but as a bench scorer, I don't think there's any real complaints about Rodney Hood. Um, especially if he is going to be a guy who returns to his pre-Achilles injury level. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who has historically been able to score. as a lefty. Didn't really show that much of it tonight. Um, but, you know, again, it's difficult circumstances. But in terms of your three stars from tonight's game, I'm going to go with OG once again for the first star. And the reason for that is I, I like that OG's... First off, since coming back... Um, as I believe Emma Brown posted, uh, pointed out on Twitter, that I've given him the first star four straight games. Honestly, man, OG's been the guy who I've been most pleasantly um, intrigued by in all these games. I think uh, most of these standout moments for me are by OG, and I, and I maybe it's just expectations are a little lower for him because he's l- less further along in the development curve than someone like Fred or Pascal, but. I like the way OG played tonight. Had the toughest job. Obviously, it came up with some clutch stops against Booker. 15.7 rebounds, three assists, two steals for OG. Um, had one play where I think Kyle was trapped on a switch against, I don't know, one of the Suns forwards, maybe Booker. And uh, the Raptors got a quick scramble. OG came in there. Chris Paul threw the pass. And in the process of scrambling in terms of switching off the ball... For that scram switch OG was able to not only get the switch off But also jump the passing lane in the process And create a fast break uh, Some really nice plays from OG tonight uh, So uh, he's going to be my first star Second star, give him to Pascal If his first half was anything like his second half Or if his second half was anything like his first half He would have gotten the first star here Absolutely, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists A steal, block Uh Got to the free throw line 11 times Missed all 6 of his 3's Which, you know, it happens We've seen like literally the other game He was cashing 3's We know Pascal's a streaky shooter uh but he was really good inside the paint and again just give him more touches please uh and then in terms of your third star I'll give it to Fred um you know I, I didn't I didn't really think Kyle had that good of a game tonight um 22 points for Fred you know 18 shots a game a team high 18 shots is a little high i thought i mean of course the 15 threes he was hunting a little bit he was hot early which was good but uh some i mean you know 15 is a, is a high number for, for even for Fred um, unless he's you know playing the Orlando Magic or something so, yeah, but, yeah, I, I thought Fred was there. I, you know, I think him and Trent are going to have to develop a good chemistry. Obviously, as that's what you're envisioning the future backcourt of this team being. Um, and I think Fred, obviously, and Norm had a great chemistry, the two of them, on and off the court, especially off the court. Go read uh, Fred's heartfelt tribute to uh, to Norm, his, his, uh, his brother. Um, you know, Norm, by the way, had 22 points uh, in a win against uh, Orlando for Portland tonight without Dame, it's a pretty good night for Norm, honestly, automatic, I was 5 for 7 from 3, you know, I don't have to describe Norm Powell's game to you, but, yeah, Fred was solid, 22 points, I, I liked Fred's game, zero Gerald Henderson, award winner, um, I'm I'm really conflicted as to where to go with this, because the Suns are so balanced and so even, that I guess I'll give it to Aiton, not that 19-9 and 9 is some sort of, like, super special game for Aiton, but I just felt like he was the one guy that was consistently like that puzzle piece the Raptors couldn't fully solve, and uh, of course that's just due to physicality, his size, his strength. But uh, Raps really struggled with him, man, in that pick and roll game. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna really struggle to you know defend if you can't secure rebounds. You're gonna struggle to defend when you can't really um, have size at the rim to deter shots, and you're really gonna struggle you know to defend when you especially in pick and rolls when you have. Guys like Aiden and Chris Paul running it, so that was tough. Um, but yeah, that does it for the podcast. If you haven't already, go check out uh, all the programming that we've had. I mean, I mean, I feel like I've been just like non stop recording things, so I appreciate everyone for listening. But go back and listen to the uh post trade deadline reaction podcast that I recorded last night with Big V and Alex. Uh, we went over basically what the raps were doing and ended up more confused about the direction and then before we started recording uh, we did the live call-in show this is a post-trade deadline reaction I took your phone calls along with uh, fellow co-host Josh Hart Um, you know You know, bear with us. There are some technical issues. We're going to try to, you know, hammer them out. I think I try to edit it out as much as possible. But, you know, if there are some, you can bear with it. But it's, like, you know, pretty clean for the most part. And it was really great to hear from fans. Got a great call from Kate once again, which was great. She kind of uh, pushed back on my pessimism about the trade deadline. I wrote about the trade deadline. There's a column out um, where I've really tried to sort of put my thoughts into writing of just, like, what... Did the rap what 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 happened here because it clearly didn't go according to the plan for the Raptors at the trade deadline? And go watch Run It Back, man. I can't believe this. But, um, we had J.E. Skeets on the podcast uh, on for with me and J- Alex. And, uh, I'll just have to say, like, person, obviously, like Skeets and the rest of the No Dunks crew, like, um, those guys are legends in this game. And, like, if you enjoy this podcast, obviously, you'll definitely enjoy No Dunks and all this other stuff. So I don't have to recommend them, like, they're like 10 times bigger than the show, but. I have to say that, like, you know, they were a huge part of the reason why, like, I even started to um, want to do this, like, to want to go to the score, to want to work there, to want to become a podcaster, to want to, um, you know, cover basketball and cover it with a with a fan lens. And those guys are real OGs, so, and, you know, listen, it's not even about that. It was really just about we went back and sort of looked at some uh, greatest moments in Raptors history and kind of, um, you know... Just uh, good vibes all around. So go watch running back. Go watch all that. And um, yeah, we will. You know, we'll see what happens. The Raptors will hold practice tomorrow. Rodney Hood's gonna speak to the media there, and uh, obviously the the new guys are gonna need a practice. And then the Raptors play. Look, the Raptors' schedule for the rest of the way, at least for the next foreseeable future, like it's not looking that bad. So oddly, they're playing the the Trailblazers who were without Dame. You know, we'll see if Dame plays. Um, you know, if, if it was up to me, Dame, take your time, bro. You don't need to do this. You know, Raptors are seven games or nine games under. Y'all, you, know, you can just let Norm handle it. That'll be awkward to see Norm once again, but it'll be great to see Norm once again. Let's be real. Portland, Detroit, Oklahoma City, Golden State, Washington—all those are at least on paper winnable games. Although, to be honest, expecting the Raptors to go and win all those games is tricky. Los Angeles, at the moment, without uh, both. AD and LeBron playing them in in, in about, you know, two weeks. I don't think either of those guys will be back. Maybe AD will be back, but LeBron's definitely out. So, that's something that, you know, you can maybe capitalize. Chicago, Cleveland, New York, Atlanta, San Antonio, Orlando, Oklahoma City. Like, that's the stretch. Raptors need to go, like, 12-2 for that stretch. And if they can do that, then all of a sudden, you know, we can have some real conversations, but... Uh, will they do that? I'm really not putting my money on this team at the moment. They're just really, really shaky. So, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening once again. Subscribe to the newsletter, uh, the email newsletter. I'm going to drop the link below. If you haven't subscribed already, do it, please. Okay. And uh, yeah, rate review, subscribe. I mean, I'm giving people a lot of tasks. You're, you know, honestly, just listen to the podcast. I'm grateful if you do that. So, thanks everyone for listening, and I'll be back on Sunday.